It is wonderful to be here with you today. My name is John. I'm the assistant pastor here. Our lead pastor today is actually in the Dominican Republic as we speak. They, um, uh, him and his wife, uh, Pastor Carl and Sandra, they were graduating a class of the Bible school students that we had started two years ago, actually. So it's incredible. You'll see the picture up here. There was about 56 graduates. And it is so cool to be able to partner with uh, an organization called Nation to Nation to launch these Bible schools in places so that leaders and pastors are being trained to preach the word in areas that need it, right? So you'll hear more about this in April coming up as well. We've launched a, a bunch in Zambia. So they had the graduation yesterday, as I said, 56 graduates, which was awesome. And they were able to begin, they took the materials to start five new Bible schools there. So they currently have six. Five new ones will be starting as well as a result of them being able to go and launch this. So thank you for participating, for giving, for being a part of this place that enables us to do an incredible work, God's work, of building his kingdom around the world. So it's just so awesome to be a part of that and to be participants in that together. So thank you for making that all possible. It's an awesome, awesome thing. So I have a story I want to start out with. And I think hopefully... For some of you, this is relatable because I don't want to be the only one experiencing this. <clears throat> I think for those who are married, you would say that your spouse is the most important person in your life, right? Everybody would agree with that, yeah? And I can say that with absolute confidence. My wife is the most important person in my life. I love her to death. I would do anything for her. She's incredible. She's amazing. I love her more than I love anybody else, anything else. I love her. You know, next to Jesus, Jesus is most, and then her. Okay, so sometimes though, and the, maybe, well, <laughs> I'm not going there yet, but, but uh, maybe you guys can relate to this too. Sometimes my actions don't demonstrate that she is the most important person in my life, right? And as I say, you don't need to raise your hands. I'll go first. It's okay. So uh, there's been... A couple of occasions, I wish I could say it was one, but a couple of occasions where I've gone home after work and I've sat on the couch and I've asked her, oh, how was your day? And she begins to tell me about her day and it's, again, I love hearing about her day. There's no, she's not boring, she's not hard to listen to, she's excited. It, I absolutely love it. I, I want to hear what's going on. But then as she's telling me about her day, just because I might be a bit distracted, uh, I've had you know, given a lot of energy out elsewhere, and all of a sudden, there's been an occasion or two where uh, my, my eyes started to flutter shut, and my head goes back, and then, you know, and she'll be doing something, and then turn around and see that my eyes are closed, and then comes that question that instantly wakes everybody up, is, do you hear a word I'm saying? Right? And then I snap awake, and I'm like, I know I heard words. But, <laughs> but I don't remember what you said. And so it's like, please tell me again. And so then I have to make it right. I have to apologize. Because in that moment, I'm not communicating to her that she's the most important, right? I've given all my energy, all my, my available bandwidth in that moment to everybody else. And I've taken it from, instead of giving it to her. And I tell this story, not just to make myself look like an idiot, you know, it, it, but really, because I feel like some of us, and I would dare say all of us at different seasons of our life, do this very same thing with God. 
in our relationship with Him. We say, anybody who's been a Christian for a, a, any length of time would say, God is the most important thing in my life. I love Him. I will do anything for Him. But then we go about our lives, we get distracted. We get busy. We get caught up looking at other things. We, and, and we give all of our energy and all of our effort to things that are going on and other things rather than taking time to actually listen and hear from God. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to dive into the concept of the principle of first is what this is known as. And the idea, I'll, I'll back up for a second. You guys notice our plants up here, right? For those who are new, several weeks ago, almost a month ago now, we gave everybody that was here on that specific Sunday a little packet of seeds. And they came up and they planted their seeds in what was just dirt at that point. And we put them under some grow lights, we, we water them on a regular basis, and now, after a few short weeks, we've got these. They're, they're plants. They're starting to look like something. In the end, they're going to be some beautiful flowers, we believe. So we're, we're, we're expecting a harvest. And we did this as a physical illustration. And I, I tell you this every time I get the chance to talk up here. We're, this is a physical illustration to show how it is in the spiritual aspect of our lives. That when you come here, you're given a seed. You're given a truth, a principle, something you can apply to your life, something you can live by. And if you do it, if you'll plant it in the soil, if you'll water it, if you'll give it the light it needs, if you'll give it the attention and the focus it needs, it will bear fruit. It will help you grow in your relationship with God and others. It will benefit you if you get on the right side of it. The funny thing about principles, though, is they always happen. Okay, so there's either a consequence to it or a positive uh, consequence to it, positive or negative, depending on which side you apply yourself to. Because the principle, and what we're going to talk about is the principle of first. All right, so we're going to dive into this. But if you apply it the way God designed it to, you'll receive the benefit of it. If you ignore it and you just live your life in opposition to it, you're going to receive the consequence for it. And it's going to happen one way or another. So you have the choice today. If, are you going to plant this? Are you going to use this and add it to your life? And I believe if you will, you'll experience some incredible things in God. You're going to experience your life transformed in what God has for you. So let's dive into it. It talks about this in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 31. This is the end of, uh, towards the end anyways of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, familiar verse. This is a very uh, impactful passage to me personally. I, I love this story. And Jesus gives us a remedy here, right? So the, the remedy is right in the middle. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be taken care of. But what's the remedy for? And it's sandwiched in between two thoughts. The remedy is for worrying about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. So I like to lump that into a category known as things we can control, right? If you need more money, you can go work more, get more hours, you can hustle, you can do different things, so you can provide for those things you want and need. Right? So things you can somewhat control. And then at the end, it's the do not worry about tomorrow. These are the things we can't control. These are the things we lay asleep at night thinking about, or lay awake at night rather, sorry, 
uh, thinking about that stress us out, that cause us to lose sleep and not be able to focus and be tired the next day and all these things because we're worried about things we actually have no control over, no influence on, we can't help, we can't fix, but we just worry about them. Right? And Jesus tells us not to do that. And he says the remedy to that, the cure to it, if you will, is that you seek first the kingdom of God. So, how do we do this? And I love how this verse just breaks down into three simple points. And you're going to see I'm going to summarize it and then we're going to dissect this a little more and dive into this today to see how we can get this right, how we can put God first so that our priorities are in order so we can experience the blessings of that. Okay? So the first one is this. Don't worry about what you will eat, drink, or wear. Just a summary of the first uh, scripture in that passage there. Easy to say. Not quite as easy to do, right? Especially in our culture, part of the problem that leans into this is I know what most of the world has because of social media, because of different things. I just open my phone and I can see you've got something I want. You've got this cool gadget. You've got this great car. You've got this other thing. And it's like, wow, that would be really nice to have. And I want it. And, and so then I start chasing after things. And I start wanting to accumulate more because it, it'll make me feel better for some reason. The crazy thing about that is that yearning for stuff, and we all have a little bit of this in us, is an appetite, right? And an appetite is never fully satisfied because once we get that thing that was the perfect thing, we thought it was going to satisfy this need, this desire I had, it's going to get me exactly what I want, it's going to make my life so much better. There's always another thing though, right? It's like Thanksgiving, right? We gorge ourselves, eat this amazing meal, we make this crazy declaration that we're never going to eat again because we're so full, and then a few hours later, we're back at the fridge, right? You know, we're looking for the next sandwich. We're going for the next thing. And that's how an appetite works. Is it can be satisfied for a moment, but eventually it's going to come back wanting more. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, don't go chasing after this. Don't go running after the next thing to accumulate. Because life is more than things. And if we, not that things are bad. Things can help us accomplish God's principles, God's purposes. But if it's what we're pursuing, what we're chasing, we're missing out on what God actually has for us. And he says the remedy to this is to put God's kingdom first. Right? So how most of the world lives, and this is statistically proven, this is why credit card debt as a nation is like through the roof, why people don't say no to anything and they keep accumulating more and more even though they can't afford to and all of this, is there's this idea that if it comes into my possession, it's for my consumption, right? That if it comes into my hands, if it's something that comes into my life, this is for me to get what I want, to use however I see fit. And that's how most of the world would live. And if you're here, maybe you've found in your life you live this way. But Christ has called us to a higher standard. So what is that higher standard? In Mark chapter 12, Jesus makes a statement. We're going to look at it. It's in verse, it starts at verse 29. And he's asked the question is, what's the most important thing to God? What's the most important law, the most important rule? What does God care the most about? And this is what Jesus says. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. 
and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So he makes it very clear that we love God first, that's the most important thing to God, because if he has our heart, if he has our love, if we're focused on him, we're going to do what he wants, right? We're going to, just, just like in a marriage relationship, I, I talked about this at the start, my wife is my world, if she asks me to do something, I want to bless her, I want to help her, I want to be there to assist and aid her in her life. Just as she wants to do those things for me because we love and we care about that person. It should be the same with God. That if God, he loves you. He cares about you. He's already given you his son. He's given you the best of what he has. And he has so much more for you too. And as you say yes to him, as you activate these principles, as you do what he has for you, you're going to receive more of that because you're, you're in a position to do so because you're in alignment with this principle of first. So going back to what we were sharing, the, most of the world has this out of order. If it comes into my possession, it's for my consumption. God says, I'm first. So that means when I gave my life to God, when I surrendered my life and said, Lord, I want to follow you, I need help with this life, repent of my sins, I'm turning to you, that when I did that, I said, all of me is yours. So my resources, my time, my attitudes, how I treat other people, and those are the three main categories I'd break that into is a benchmark or an indicator of how well we are doing at seeking first the kingdom of God is how we manage our time, how we manage our resources, and how we treat other people. Those are indicators of how well we are doing of putting God in his rightful place because he gives us clear instruction on all three of those areas. So if we're treating people poorly, we're missing something and putting God's kingdom first. If we're mismanaging our finances, if we get the idea that it's all for me when it comes into my management, we're missing God's principle, that it's actually better to give than to receive. And again, it's not that none of your resources are for you. God blesses you to be a blessing to others. He blesses you so you have sustenance, so you're sustained, so you're able to survive, provide for your family, all these things. Those are good things. But a portion of that, and actually all of it, belongs to God, but he's entrusted it to your care to manage well. And if it's all being used for you, you're not applying the principle of putting God first. My parents instilled this in me when I was a kid. I, I had the benefit of growing up as a, a pastor's kid. So uh, my dad was very adamant about these kind of principles. And there was uh, three different piggy banks, if you will, when I was a kid. And in they were all labeled something different. So whenever I got an allowance, a, a little side job, something I was doing, uh, any money, it was always divided. And my mom actually was very intentional. I remember as a kid, she'd always have smaller bills and change that she could break it into for me so we could do it right. But there was a jar that was giving, there was a jar that was savings, and then there was a jar that was for everything else. My baseball cards, my bubble gum, you know, whatever I wanted to get, right? And we have these in our lives too, right? So we choose what to do, but like I say, most of the world gets what comes in, spend it on themselves, use whatever they want, and if there's anything left, they might give some away, they might put it in the savings, might do that, and it's a very unintentional way of living. But if you put it in the correct order, say, I'm going to give first, that's the first jar everything goes to, because that's a sign that we're putting God first. Before I spend anything else, before I make sure there's enough for me, before I get to do everything I want to do, I'm saying I'm intentionally setting apart some of this 
for God, for others. That it's not about me. This is actually a symbol and a sign, an indication that a portion of what I get before I know even if I have enough coming in this month is for God. And we manage it that way. This will transform your life. And that's just a symbol with resources. It's the same with time, right? And some people I've heard teach this, that, okay, what this means, if you're putting God first with your time, when you first wake up in the morning, you've got to spend time with God. And that's a good thing to do. I'm not knocking that at all. But I'm not sure I, I would grab on to that as a legalistic rule, where I would say we have to give God our best. So an example from my life. When I was a teenager, I, my time that I spent with God was just before I went to bed. And I would spend hours in his word. I would journal. I would do all these things as my mind was racing. That, that was the time I had my best energy. It was right before I went to bed. And I was able to really hear from God. Just did some awesome stuff. After I graduated college and I came back, I, I was working in construction. had very early mornings and stuff. I was finding myself, when I was doing it before bed, I would fall asleep literally on the pages of my Bible. Like not, not able to give my best to God. It wasn't working anymore. So I had to shift how I did that, and now I get up a little earlier and I do it in the mornings, and it's working good too, but, but that's the new best that I have where it changes sometimes with how we're doing. But are we giving him any time? You know, we could argue time of day and all this, but are you giving him your best? Are you giving him the first, the, the best of what you have? And that's what the principle of first is all about. You know, going back to the beginning illustration, you know, if all I'm giving my wife is my leftovers, in energy, in compliments, in whatever. If it's just my leftovers, that's not going to sustain a healthy marriage. Just like with Christ, if we're not giving him our best, if we're not tapping into the source of all that he has for us, we're missing out on the great things that he can do in our life. So we got to give him our best. Some of you, that might be a lunch hour. Some of you, it might be you know, uh, uh, before bed, in the morning, whatever it is, but give God what it is he needs to speak to you, to direct you, to lead and guide you in what he's called you to do. All right. <clears throat> so point number two. Or actually, let me back up before we go to point number two. Thank you for not putting it up yet, guys. Good job. Some of you here, you're hearing this and you're saying, okay, yeah, don't worry about the things I can control. Don't stress about it. Don't worry about getting the more stuff. But some of you have been independent for most of your lives. Even in your teen years or whatever, maybe a, a parent wasn't taking great care of you and you had to kind of provide for yourself. And you say, okay, so I'm supposed to trust God, but I don't trust anybody. Like, I take care of me. I've always had to do this and I always will do this. And you think to yourself, I, I don't know that I can trust God. And you struggle with that trusting. You struggle to hand that over to him to say, you know, if I don't worry about this, no one will. Some of you who are parents can identify with this, right? If I don't take care of the kids and make all this happen, no one will. It's going to just fall apart. And God's saying, put my kingdom first and I will take care of your needs. Because I know you need them. And again, this is not to negate any responsibility. He's given you the ability to work. He's given you the ability to provide for your family, all of those things. But the stress, the worry, the anxiety that we accumulate, we hold on to and we stress about and it causes us to get sick and all these things, God's saying, cast that off. 
There's a verse that says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. And that brings the reassurance to this that he can do a better job than you ever have. I know that's hard to hear. Because you say, maybe you're doing a great job. Maybe you feel like you're lacking in it. Whatever it is, though, God can do a far better job than you can. And if we get these principles into alignment, if we put him first by following these steps, these practices of keeping it in order that he's commanded us to, you will be blessed for it. You'll receive the benefits for it. Not that you'll be absent of storms, not that life is going to be cushy, but he's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you because he loves you and he cares for you. There's a verse in Ephesians that speaks to this and it's Ephesians uh, 3, 20 and 21 and it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I love this. It talks, this is a prayer that Paul's speaking over the, the church in Ephesus and he's saying, God is able to do way more than you imagine. He's way beyond your ability to fathom and the grasp. And he's got good things for you because he loves you. And so if you lean into him and you apply these principles and demonstrate that you trust him through your actions, you will be blessed for it. You'll receive the blessings that he has for you in these areas. But you have to activate the principles. It's not enough to just say, God knows my heart. Yeah, I believe him. He's great. And then we're falling asleep as he's talking to us. Right? He's saying, put action to your belief. Do the things that you say you believe, that you trust, and you will receive the blessings for it. All right, point number two. Seek first his kingdom. And this was kind of lumped into the beginning, but the question comes to mind is, how do we do this? What does this look like in real life? Seeking first the kingdom. I read you that passage from Mark chapter 12 that Jesus says, love God, love others. And that's what it looks like to seek first the kingdom. It's putting it in the order of priority that it's called to be. God first, then others, then me. Now, please don't make a mistake. This does not mean neglect yourself, but it means have it in the correct order. God first, others, and then me. In 1 John chapter 4, it says this, We love because he first loved us. This is starting at verse 19. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. This one's hard, right? Because <laughs> like you, I, I know, you know, people can do some hurtful things. People have done things that, that bring scarring, they bring wounds, they bring all these things, and God tells you to love them. And Jesus demonstrated this so perfectly, right, as they're beating him, as they're hanging him on the cross, as he's dying for your sins and my sins, and he's hanging there, and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And he calls us to love our brothers and our sisters, our friends, our family members, our co-workers, the people that do rotten things to us. And he says, love them. 
And this is an area, this is an, a way that we put the kingdom of God first as we, we say, even though it's hard, even though it's challenging, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to love, I'm going to do the hard things because when I do this, I know that God is working on my side to bring about resolution, to bring about healing, to bring about hope, to bring about some kind of miracle, even when it looks impossible. Because this is what it looks like to put the kingdom of God first. It's not, it's against the culture, like I had mentioned earlier, that everything comes into my possession is for me. Saying, no, I'm going to consider others before myself. I'm going to intentionally give whether that's to a church, whether that's an organization, whether it's individuals, those in need, whatever it is, that I'm setting aside time, resources, whatever it is, to consider others over myself. And I'll tell you, if you're not currently doing this, you begin to do this, you're going to revolutionize your life because your whole world's going to get opened up. All of a sudden, God's going to send people into your life that say, hey, there's something different about you. What's going on in your life? And and you're going to experience somebody else coming in and saying, hey, I'm really going through this. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I just felt to come and talk to you about this. Or, hey, would you pray for me about this or that? And you're going to find God's going to use you in supernatural ways. Maybe you feel like, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm uncomfortable with that and stuff. But God says, if you're my follower, I've equipped you. I've called you to do this. To represent me to a hurting world. World in need of me. And he's called us to live this way. This is what kingdom first living looks like. This is what putting the kingdom of God first looks like in our lives. For our third and final point, it says don't worry about tomorrow. And I I emphasize this is the things that we can't control. These are the things that you know, we, we worry about, we stress about, but we can't change, we can't help, can't do anything about it. And there's a powerful story in Acts chapter 16. We're not going to turn to it for, for sake of time, but it tells the story of Paul and Silas, who they're doing what God's called them to do. They're speaking uh, the gospel to people who need to hear it, and they land in Macedonia in the area of Philippi there, or Philippi in the area of Macedonia, and As they're there, God does some stuff, people get saved, people get delivered, miracles are happening, but then some of the people in control are getting upset with them, so they throw them in jail, they beat them, they put them in jail, they're in stocks, very uncomfortable, in the inner room of a prison, probably like a cave that was very uncomfortable, very dirty, very unpleasant. I can only imagine in these kind of circumstances, because I know how I would think, that there would be some inner turmoil. God, I did everything you asked me to do. I stepped out in faith. I, I, everything you wanted me to do, I did. And now I'm, in the, I'm bleeding, I'm hurt. What gives? What's going on? But they chose not to do that. Again, that might have been a thought they had. We don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us. But it does tell us a passage that Paul wrote later on in the book of Colossians. It's chapter 1, verse 16. It says this. It says, For in him all things were created, that's Christ, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And this was Paul who wrote this. 
So as I see this passage, I wonder to myself if when he was in that position of discomfort, pain, agony maybe even, that this came to mind, that I exist. I am here for Christ. I am here because I, I am here on this earth because I need to bring honor and glory to God. Because that's my purpose, right? Is to worship Him in everything I do. So in that position, all they can do, because they can't minister to anybody, they can't talk to anybody, is worship God. So they begin to do that in this place of discomfort, this place of need and desperation. They call out to God and worship Him in song and sing to Him. And all of a sudden, a miracle happens. And it says an earthquake shook the prison doors and, and their stocks fell off, the chains broke. Things just fell off and the doors flew open. And if the temptation in this passage is to think that that's the miracle that God sent, but it's actually the next thing that happens is the true miracle of what God did. And it's the Philippian jailer, the man that was in charge of all these people that was told, if they escape, it's your life for theirs. He's about to kill himself because he sees the doors flung open, the chains broken, and he thinks everybody's gone. There's no way they're still here. I'm just going to do it for him so that it's less painful. And he's about to kill himself. And Paul yells out from the, the dungeon. He says, don't do it, we're all here. And then he runs in and says, what must I do to be saved? Sometimes the storms we go through are to draw others to us to see what God wants to do. To see the miracle He wants to perform. And stuff starts shaking, stuff starts happening, and we wonder, God, what is, what's going on? I don't understand why this is happening. This chaos that's going on. What are you doing? And God's working a miracle. He's bringing people into your life because you've chosen to seek His kingdom first. Earlier we were talking about stuff and if your life is all about accumulating stuff, you're missing it. There's a passage that says if you're faithful with the little, God will entrust you with more. And that's a principle. That's a true reality in God's kingdom. I remember when I first read that, my thought was, oh man, I want to do this so I can get more stuff. So I could be more blessed. I was missing it completely because that's not what it's about. It's when we seek the kingdom, we get more stuff, yes, but that's to bless others, to be a blessing, to draw them to Christ because what really matters is their eternal destination and their life here that they can pursue God. They can have a relationship with Him just as you have. You know how your life has been so transformed by having a relationship with Him? That's available for them too and He wants to use you. Because listen, I'm a pastor here. I'll talk to anybody that comes through those doors about Jesus because I, I, he's transformed my life. I'll be happy to do that. But there's some individuals that won't bother coming through those doors that you interact with. And he's called you to be a light to them, to be an example, that even though you're going through some hard times, even though there's some things in your life that you don't understand, and he's using that so that the world can see that your relationship with him is working, is valuable. And it's not that you are free from those hard times, but it's that you're firm and secure in the midst of the hard times. And he's choosing to use you to be a blessing to others so he can bless you with more, so he can be a blessing to others. And he loves you and he's got good things for you because he's a good God. So I want to wrap this all up with a challenge here. And that challenge is this, is what
going to pause that challenge for a second. There's some individuals here. And <clears throat> you're hearing this. Hmm. And you're saying, I'm sorry, it's a, uh, I, I can sense this and I, I can empathize with this as well. And you're saying, God, it hurts too much. This is too painful what you're putting me through. I don't care who it's going to help. I don't care how this is, you're going to use this for your good and for this kingdom. But it hurts too much. And I sense God is speaking to you today and he's saying, I have a great plan for you to stay the course. Hang in there. Keep pursuing. Keep going down the path I have for you and you will reap a harvest in the end if you don't give up. I have good things ahead for you. Do not give up. He knows the pain you're feeling. He knows what you're going through. And he loves you. And he's walking with you just as the word during our prayer time came out. You feel overwhelmed. You feel the waves crashing in. You feel like you're drowning. And God's right there with his hand saying, I'm here for you. I'm pulling you up. And he's pulling you up. He's putting you on firm ground right now. Saying, I have good things for you. Hang in there. Stay the course. Do not abandon the ship. Because I have good things for you. Okay. Felt to do that. The challenge that I do want to leave you with today is to activate this principle we talked about, about putting God first. For some of you, this could be a, a minor tweak, an adjustment, saying, you know what, in this area, I need to make this change, and it's very clear, and you've got to do it. For others, it might be a more drastic thing. You've got to do some hard work. You've got to go to your budget. You've got to put things in alignment. You've got to you know, talk to some people. You've got to put some things in alignment. You've got to work some things out. But if you will activate this principle, you will find it transformative in your life that you prioritize God first. And there's always an action to this. The three main areas are time, our resources, and how we treat others. So that would be our attitudes. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we close out this time in prayer. <clears throat> I always like to end when I speak with the the instructions that we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to show me what you're speaking to me today. Show me what you have for me today from this word. So I invite you to do that even right now as we take a moment. Lord Jesus, what are you speaking to me through this word today? Lord, as your people here, the individuals that are in this place are calling out to you, asking you to show them what you have for them, what you're speaking to them, I ask that you would make it crystal clear. That you would give them the steps they need that help apply this principle so they can experience the great things that you have for them on the other side of it. For those individuals that are feeling like it's too hard what, what they're going through, Lord, I ask that you encourage them, you build them up, you help them sense your presence right beside them.
because you're there to carry them, Lord. You're there to walk with them, to encourage them. Bless them as they stay the course. Lord Jesus, we give you our very selves. We say, have your way in this place, have your way in our lives, Lord Jesus. As these individuals go about their days and their weeks. I ask that you would bless them as they activate the principle of putting you first. Thank you that you promise to bless them as they do. So help us all to identify the areas that we need to get in alignment with this principle. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer for anything, please come forward. I would love to pray with you. We are here for you. God bless you as you go about your week.